The idea of international solidarity uh, and shaping public opinion has been such a fundamental part of Palestinian national strategy since the inception of our struggle. Because of the asymmetry of power between us and, and the oppressor, uh, we, we always felt the need to ensure that we have the support of the world. This is Instant Coffee, a new podcast brought to you by the LSE Middle East Centre and produced by me, Nadine Almanasti, and me, Ribal Sleiman Haidar. On this episode, Muna Dajani talks to Salem Barahme about technology and activism in Palestine. Muna is research officer at the LSE Middle East Center. Salem is executive director of the Palestine Institute for Public Diplomacy and an advocate for Palestinian freedom and rights. Over to you, Muna. Hi, Salem. Thank you for joining us today. How are you? Hi, Muna. It's lovely to be with you. How are things? Everything is okay, considering the situation. <laughs> Um, well, thank you for joining us today. Uh, we're really looking forward to speak about uh, tech and activism in the Palestinian context, speak about uh, the great work that you're doing and uh, learn more about uh, activism and tech in, in Palestine. So uh, welcome. So let's talk today about uh, Palestine Institute for Public Diplomacy. And I wanted to first ask you, like um, today, uh, Palestinian activism has gone through different um, stages of development and a lot of kind of setbacks, let's let's say. Um, and uh, what is the role today of the new generation um, in reigniting uh, a Palestinian activism? Um, and can you tell us a bit about the Palestine Institute for Public Diplomacy? Thanks, Muna. I, I think to understand what we do at PIPD, it's very important to understand the context of the Palestinian national movement. I think for, for young Palestinians, the younger generation, we look around the world and we are extremely frustrated with the way our, our, our uh, movement is understood, our struggle for freedom and rights is understood, uh, and what we aspire to and what, how our story is told. And we feel like there has been a very big failure from, from the generation that has come before us. And so as a group of young Palestinians, we started PIPD in the hope of communicating a new, communicating a new story about Palestine to the world, one built on the progressive values of freedom, justice, equality and rights, and doing it through new means. Um, the idea of international solidarity uh, and shaping public opinion has been such a fundamental part of Palestinian national strategy since the inception of our struggle, right? Because of the asymmetry of power between us and, and the oppressor, uh, we, we always felt the need to ensure that we have the support of the world. But we felt that the message uh, and the messenger uh, and the way that message was delivered was extremely outdated and no longer reflected how we saw the world. So we at PIPD, we developed uh, and married technology with our form of activism and being able to present this new story based on these progressive values and highlighting different voices of those that have not been heard from the ground in Palestine, but also all around the world. Uh, whether it's through social media, whether it's through different campaigns, whether it's bridging networks of fragmented Palestinian communities, or it's projects like Palestine VR. And to date, uh, our campaigns and our work have reached more than 110 million uh, people in many different languages in the last three years since we started. Uh, and we, and our, our ethos is to try to reach beyond the echo chamber of Palestinian solidarity movements abroad. For us, we see uh, that our national struggle is very much contingent on bringing societies with us. And without being able to communicate to the majority of societies, uh, I, I don't think we're doing our job just right.
So that's kind of the fundamental North Star of PIPD uh, through the younger generation that sees a different future and a different way of being able to connect with people all over the world. Great. That sounds really inspiring and uh, just a much needed uh, kind of boost to, to decades of, you know, uh, solidarity work in Palestine. And uh, if you can tell us a bit more about uh, Palestine uh, VR, um, what, uh, how, how did the idea come about? Um, uh, who, who, led, who led on it? And uh, how has it uh, been uh, um, seen? And uh, how, how do people find it when they ex experience uh, Palestine in virtual reality? Yeah, no, Palestine VR was a very, um, a very useful tool uh, that grew out of um, the inability of two members of Congress, Rashid Atleb and Ilhan Amar, from visiting Palestine because Israel barred them from entering. And so we basically took their tour, their itinerary, and turned it into a virtual reality one that they could access, but then to make more widely available to, to everyone. And the understanding we're operating under is that you cannot fully understand what it's like to live uh, the reality in Palestine under oppression, discrimination, displacement and apartheid without seeing it. Nobody comes and leaves the same way. I don't care what your political views are. And so we felt like we needed to develop a tool that allowed people to transport themselves to Palestine because millions will not go. They just don't have the time or the luxury to go. And millions cannot, like many Palestinian refugees. And for us, it's also to be able to connect them to their homeland. And so since we launched last uh, winter, we, the, the app has been downloaded more than 20,000 times. Uh, and we've led a lot of different events uh, in different parts of the world, uh, starting with Europe, to be able to engage different audiences and new audiences on Palestine through technology. But again, based very much in the, the rights-based and the values-based uh, approach and discourse. And one of, the, one of the most interesting experiences I had with Palestine VR was in Germany, actually, where at the moment the word Palestinian or Palestine is extremely radioactive. Right? You can't rent out a venue for a Palestinian cultural movie night. So a part of what we were doing is trying to reach out to youth parties in German uh, politics to be able to expose them to Palestine in different ways. And, and one of the parties we sat with, their youth wing, was extremely uh, hostile to, to Palestine and a lot of our issues. And after two hours of being able to transport themselves to Hebron to see the segregation there or to, to Bethlehem to either refugee camp and see the wall and how it affects water or Khan al-Ahmar in the Jordan Valley or Jerusalem, they said to us, we feel like we've been lied to our entire time, our entire life, and our party does, is not allied with the values that it, 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 uh, it's, it seeks to uphold. And that was the cognitive dissonance that we saw unfold from seeing the reality for yourself and from, being a, from hearing it from a direct source for a very long time. And I think this is, just to go back to the initial question, this is the beauty of technology. Technology can be a very powerful disruptor in, in who controls what message and what narrative is available to people. And for a long time, we didn't have those means to be able to tell our own story. And whether it's Palestine VR or other forms of technology, we're breaking new ground and we're reaching millions more in a very authentic, non-apologetically Palestinian narrative. And, and we're seeing a bit of the impact and it's, it's great, but it's, it's, a, it's, it's work that's going to take a long time and a lot of effort to, to really 
make a, a, a big impact. Great, Salim. That's that's great. I wanted to ask you more about Palestine VR and specifically about you know the audience. Uh, who who is Palestine VR kind of uh, focused on? Because uh, usually we only always go to the West to kind of raise awareness about what's happening in Palestine, uh, and yet we a lot of time we kind of we don't go inwards. And understanding the fragmentation of Palestinian society is that we need to reach out to to Palestinians beyond the geogra geographic location. So um, how do you actually do that with, how do you actually utilize uh, Palestine VR to reach out to Palestinian in the diaspora, Palestinian refugees everywhere who don't, who have been denied the right uh, to, to live in their homeland and to even visit it? That's a really important question. Um, I think when you look at what strengths we have as a people and as a national movement, it's, it's very much uh, the 13 million of us all around the world. And... For so long, the Palestinians that are living in refugee camps or Palestinians living in the diaspora have not been part of the Palestinian political system and have not been afforded the right to shape where we want to go and how we get there. And so there's almost a disconnect. Uh, and so I think for us as a younger generation of Palestinians, we really feel the need to break a lot of the fragmentation that accelerated under Oslo um, and was uh, essentially a, uh, a product of the PLO becoming defunct and that political system no longer ex existing. And so through Palestine VR, we want to be able to uh, allow Palestinians, whether in those refugee camps or in the diaspora, to reconnect with their home. And it's our form of, or one form of, uh, you know, trying to dismantle the political and identity uh, fragmentation that Israel has imposed on, on us all around the world. And I, I think in terms of being able to mobilize and uh, to get people engaged and involved, there's no better place to start than with Palestinians abroad. Uh, and that's something that's been neglected for so, f for so long. And uh, we hold events often when we travel, we, we seek out the Palestinian community there. We hold Palestine VR events there and be able to connect with them, not just about the technology and through technology, but also have very meaningful conversations about what together we can help shape uh, the future and what that might look like and how can that be inclusive of Palestinians in Palestine and Palestinians abroad. Similarly, the Palestinian refugee camps, in, in whether it's Lebanon or Jordan, I haven't had the chance to visit, uh, for example, the refugee camps in, in Lebanon, but I know a lot of um, Palestinians there have, were able to connect to Palestine through VR and visit Jerusalem for the very first time and walk through the streets and that's something that made them extremely emotional. But even for Palestinians within Palestine, I grew up in the West Bank, I've never been to Gaza and my first time visiting Gaza and the beach uh, in Gaza was through Palestine VR and that made me extremely emotional. Similarly, my grandfather, he hadn't been to Gaza since the 70s. And his, his ability to, to go back to the markets in Gaza and recognize some of them after so many years was also quite powerful. So I think it, 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 it tries to bridge the, the disconnection and the disconnect we've had from one another because of the political circumstances, whether imposed on us or to some extent whether they're our own doing as well from our leadership. And that's one way to tie to tie the 13 million of us together again. That's very powerful and uh, really like innovative. Uh, but what what uh, what does Palestine VR promise after the experience? So when you're actually 
go through that uh, experiential uh, journey and you see if Palestine, um, are you offering any type of kind of follow up or um, how do you actually um, document the, the whole experience? Um, it would be nice to see what can come up after, you know, you, you do the VR experience. The, absolutely. We're, we're a campaign and advocacy organization first. For, for us, we do want to raise awareness about Palestine, introduce the new narrative, uh, be able to connect with people around the world. But ultimately, we want to mobilize people to affect policy and political change, right? And so for them, for us, Palestine VR is a tool to experience what the reality on the ground is like or connect Palestinians with their homeland. But that's only one step of the journey. The rest of the journey is, okay, how then we work together to affect change, whether it's political change in Palestine or it's legislative, legislative or political change in London or Paris or Berlin or DC or elsewhere, right? Because sadly, uh, Muna, you know this well, uh, our lives, our freedoms, our rights, including the right of the return, is at the mercy of governments around the world. And for the, so long, they haven't held Israel accountable. And then the governments th themselves haven't been held accountable. So the theory of change is then how can you put pressure on those governments to have a foreign policy or have legislation that is in accordance with these values that we want to promote and ones that recognize Palestinians as a people that deserve individual but collective self-determination, um, and the full spectrum of rights, right? And, and uh, the push for change needs to be within those countries as much as it needs to be within historic Palestine itself. Great, yeah. And on that point, I think um, kind of how, how do we actually move from kind of the more conventional uh, campaigning advocacy work that has been done for decades. Uh, many attempts have failed or many attempts haven't reached out to the right audience, to the decision makers who are actually, as you say, like making decisions on, on behalf of, of Palestinians for, for so long. Um, and I just wanted to ask you kind of in this spirit on and kind of the wave of uh, like tech activism, um, where does Palestine, uh, where is Palestine today in that scene, um, especially in light of kind of the, the Uber serve like higher high surveillance and uh, kind of monitoring of Palestinian activity online on different social platforms. Where is Palestinian activism um, um, in the cyber world today? It's a it's a very big question. I'll try my best to answer it. I think we're trying to navigate the cyber world and and try to marry the world of of activism activism and technology as much as we can. But I think again we're up against quite a bit, right? Israel is a leader in tech, it's a leader in surveillance, it's leader leader in, in, in weapons and in all forms of things. And so, you know, we don't operate in a vacuum. And so, again, you know, when we talk about Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, these are not neutral platforms, right? These are platforms with their own political agendas. And you find often that you know your your um, your posts or your ads, etc., are taken down for different reasons. I mean, one example is Bella Hadid. She she posted a passport of her father with uh, the birthplace being Palestine, and that was taken down for for different reasons. But the point is this: the the point is that there's a shrinking space on in the cyber world, and even though we're we're relatively new to it as activists, it's it's we're feeling the effects of it, whether it's through the, the social media and social network platforms or other otherwise. And so 
it's yeah it's it's a blessing but it's also a curse um and the way we navigate it is going to be hard and that that goes for palestine in palestine whether you write a post that's critical of whether it's the own leadership your own leadership or or israel you might you know be be arrested and uh and and there are severe consequences for that or if you're trying to communicate from palestine to the world there are a lot of issues that you have to navigate and a lot of challenges that make it very hard uh and again the you know israel and its allies around the world have quite the network on the cyber front and the, that's that's quite a big and powerful foe to to engage with as well. Sure, that's that's a great point, Salem. And I just wanted to like uh, also talk about the great impact that uh, uh, PIPD is doing online. I, I follow you on Instagram and on uh, Facebook and other platforms. And the great thing is the fact that uh, also you're, you're you're humanizing Palestinian and the Palestine struggle in a way that also educates and raises awareness while at the same time you know also giving the big picture and i really um i i think that's a great uh great initiative and a great way forward for palestinian presence online um a sort of a new frontier of uh, of activism and um and advocacy work thank you Mina. i really appreciate it thank you for taking the time to chat it's been a pleasure thank you salem so much and keep up the great work Thank you for listening to Instant Coffee, your quick fix of everything Middle East. Join us every Friday for a new episode of Instant Coffee, where we interview artists, activists, writers, journalists, and more from the region. To learn more about the Palestine Institute for Public Diplomacy and Palestine VR, follow the links in the podcast description. Don't forget to find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Until next time.